0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Dr. Sleep. When I was a kid, there was a place.
1: A dark place. They closed it down and let it rot. But the things that lived there...
0: They come back. To ride the bus this far north, you're running away from something.
1: I'm running away from myself, I guess. Hi.
2: You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the Shining.
0: The world is a hungry place, a dangerous place.
2: These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils, they'll eat what shines. And they've noticed that little girl. Well, hi there. Coming. Where are we going?
1: There's a place. You sure you want to do this? I'm ready. Yes, you run, dear.
0: And then I will find you, and you will scream for years. just listening to the trailer for Dr. Sleep, and the story is as follows. Struggling with alcoholism, Dan Torrance remains traumatized by the sinister events that occurred at the Overlook Hotel when he was a child. His hope for a peaceful existence soon becomes shattered when he meets Abra, a teen who shares his extra sensory gift of the shine together. They form an unlikely Alliance to battle the true, not a cult whose members try to feed off the shine of innocence to become immortal. The film is starring oom McGregor, Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran and Cliff Curtis it is written and directed by Mike Flanagan. Joining me for this podcast review. I have Cody Derricks. Hello. Okay. Cody excited uh, to have you on here with me to talk about Dr. Sleep. Um, you are a big horror movie fan, I naturally assume you love The Shining.
1: <laughs> sure do. Yeah, I wasn't able to be on the podcast review, but basically everything you guys were saying, you couldn't hear me, but I was just kind of pointing at the sky, vigorously agreeing with everything. <laughs> so, yeah, that's totally my kind of movie. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get what you mean by that. Uh, this movie is based off of uh, a sequel novel to The Shining that Stephen King wrote called also uh, Doctor Sleep. And in many ways, uh, Stephen King, I suppose, wrote this in (laughs) retaliation almost to uh, what Stanley Kubrick did with his adaptation of The Shining back in 1980, a film that Stephen King notoriously uh, disapproves of. Uh, He did not like a lot of the changes that Stanley Kubrick made. So director Mike Flanagan, who had this really, really awesome uh, surge, if you will, uh, when he directed uh, for Netflix The Haunting of Hill House, is someone who now finds himself in like a very tricky situation where he has to appease both the fans of Stephen King's words, but also like the fans of Stanley Kubrick's vision of what he did in The Shining with this sequel. And the question is, is he able to pull it off or not? Cody, before I get your general thoughts on that, uh, tell me a little bit maybe about just from a context perspective, like what you were taking into Dr. Sleep before the movie began in terms of how you read the book, how familiar were you with all of this? And obviously we know you love The Shining. So why don't we start there and then we'll get into our thoughts on the movie.
1: Yeah, so The Shining, like I said, one of my favorites. It's one of the first movies I remember seeing and being like, oh, oh, I'm scared, but also really kind of enjoying this rather than just wanting to shut it off. So it's really important to me in a way for a movie about, you know, a murderous hotel. And I went into this not knowing anything about Dr. Sleep. I haven't read either The Shining or this uh, novel. So I was excited to see how they were able to thread the needle between being a sequel narratively to a book that is a sequel to another book that is kind of different from the movie version of that book because like you said the Shining movie is pretty significantly different from what I understand from the book but the movie even just from the trailers looked to really be adopting some of the kind of visual aesthetic and moments from the movie The Shining so I was really excited to see how they were possibly going to bridge those two gaps and to my mind they absolutely did it like wonderfully i really enjoyed this movie
0: well that's really good to hear um i didn't (laughs) (laughs) there are elements that i like i i don't want to sound too too harsh here um but i i have some reasons behind it i'm actually curious to hear what you did like about it so much because i'm wondering if it might change my mind a little bit here um So heading into uh, Dr. Sleep, I had just recently rewatched The Shining. We did our podcast review on it. I'm not the biggest fan of that movie, if I'm being completely honest with you. But the thing I love about The Shining more so than anything are the amount of discussions that it does provoke from uh, a bunch of people. The theories, um, you know, like just diving deep into the mysteries of, like, what does it all mean and such. You know, uh, the documentary Room 237 uh, really (laughs) goes into that in great detail, I I have found.
1: That documentary is (laughs) kooky. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. So heading into this, I was kind of hoping for a similar kind of a vibe, if you will, that The Shining gave off, where... To me, The Shining is not so much a scary movie in a visceral sort of a way, like something like, say, uh, The Conjuring is, you know, with its jump scares and eerie tone, if you will. But The Shining is more psychologically scary to me. Um, And Doctor Sleep, kind of, as I was watching it, I thought veered a little bit more into the big studio uh definition of what a horror film is, as opposed to like the art house horror film. That's something like The Shining or VA twenty-four uh, you know, horror films that have come out in recent years are more like. And in that regard, I was slightly disappointed with Doctor Sleep, that it played a lot of things uh, very conventionally and it didn't take what was, in my opinion, big bold risks, if you
1: will, in terms of its storytelling see i think um the things that you're saying that you didn't enjoy are actually kind of the big bold risks that i responded to because they're disguised as typical plot beats in a way okay sense i i my first reaction leaving this movie is wow this is going to be very mixed reception and i was kind of right i think um especially the first two thirds they kind of almost seem to revel in withholding elements that made the original Shining such a classic in a way that I find kind of brave in a way because then it allows, not to spoil too much, but the third act to kind of really play on all those callbacks and things that we were hoping to see. And it makes it even more exciting because we've been waiting like almost two hours for this kind of revelation. And the first two thirds are really very much like a psychological examination of... Trauma and addiction and all these themes that Mike Flanagan really, in seeing his work that he's you know been producing for the past decade or so, he really loves those themes and seems to respond to them. And uh, I agree with you that I don't think it's very scary. And it's interesting because Mike Flanagan can either be really... Uh, psychological and um not you know outright scary in something like Gerald's game which is still spooky in its own sure, way or yeah. he also has the ability to be like classic horror filmmaking in something like the haunting of hill house so i think it's really a specific choice from him to withhold the typical scares in that way because he seems to be more interested in examining elements of the story and less about creating horror set pieces not to say that i don't like horror set pieces because obviously i do but i think he was more interested in the kind of themes and the character work a couple of different things uh one
0: I know before I mentioned, uh, haunting, uh, on Hill house. Um, I, I I do want to acknowledge that I understand Mike Flanagan had a career before that Netflix miniseries came out. Uh, hush is pretty awesome. Gerald's game, as you mentioned before, I enjoyed as well. And there are a couple of other good ones in there. So he's definitely got a really great body of work. And I think that everything he does here on a technical level, the way the film is shot, the overall tone of it, uh, the way he plays with sound editing. Um, I, I think that he is definitely a very gifted filmmaker in that regard. And I agree with you, Cody, that when the film is touching upon the themes of alcoholism, of trauma, um, it, it it really does... I really do think it is saying something uh, deeply resonant and also something, too, that obviously is very personal to Stephen King. And I, I think that comes through in the literary sense when you're watching the film. My issues with the first two hours of the movie... It's not so much to do with the pacing, because it is, it is a long movie. It's over two and a half hours long. It's longer than The Shining itself. Um, but to be honest, there was a lot going on with the plot itself in those first two hours that I thought the film was kind of dragging its feet with giving us explanations behind. Um, there's just a lot of stuff that happens, uh, from a supernatural standpoint that I don't think we, as the audience are ever really clued in as to what the rules are, what does all of this mean necessarily, what can and can't people actually do? What is the true motivations of this character or this group of people? Um, there was a lot of confusion for me in those first two
1: hours. Gotcha. Uh, not to say I disagree, but that didn't bug me. Okay. All right. That's fine. (laughs) Um, and I, I think the length actually helps it out because I think some of the things that they ask you to kind of buy into and find horrifying on a way that we as regular non-supernatural humans would relate to, stuff like killing children and gobbling up the steam that For resonates the record, out of them. That scene yeah. with
0: Jacob Tremblay, um, oh my other than the third act, probably most horrifying scene in the whole movie, credit to Jacob Tremblay and how he played that because that really disturbed me. That was horrifying. I, I
1: was horrified. Yeah, it was viscerally horrifying. And I mean, it really, I love that they were like, well, we have one scene and we need this, you know, we need to really sell this moment. Because that's where you, the first time where you see how horrifying this cult can be and how unfeeling they can be towards other people, especially children. So, of course, you hire, you know, the actor that gave us the best child performance of the decade to do one scene because, you know, he has the ability to carry it and make it work. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, I think you need that length of time. The runtime needs to be long for you to kind of know the weight and stakes of, um, again, the kind of maybe – in a vacuum, goofy things that we're seeing, like how these cult members operate and how some of the, uh, the like, psychic stuff works. Um, so I didn't mind the length, personally. Yeah,
0: I, I probably should have opened up this podcast by greeting you by saying, well, hi there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, I gotta say, God bless Rebecca Ferguson. I could not pin down her accent, and I re- I'm somebody who really likes her as an actor, but afterwards, my friends and I were frantically Googling where she's from, where she's been in her life, because we were not sure really what, what's going on there in a performance that otherwise I quite liked.
0: You know, it, it's interesting too, because at first I didn't like it because I actually thought that it was uh, kind of cartoonish and silly, if you will. And mm-hmm. once again, um, for a movie that's dealing with such heavy uh, themes and is also a sequel to a movie that, you know, I, I don't know. I guess it's like one person's interpretation of whether or not, if you find elements of the shining to be uh, campy, if you will. But, I I didn't know if I was really vibing with this performance, but I have to say ever since I've now seen the film and um, I've had time to kind of stew on it a little bit, there are elements of that performance that I can't get out of my mind from her. And um, I just keep coming back to the fact that she looks like that she is having a really, really good time playing this character on screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because they say that in order to – get a better outcome from the horrifying things they do it benefits them to make their victims scared and fearful it makes sense that a character like her who has lived for a while would you know, kind of default to being a spooky, almost cartoon villain of a horror character, because that's how they've been living their life because it benefits them to be as spooky as possible all the time. So I didn't, at first I kind of thought the same thing where I was like, she's really doing this, huh? And yeah. Then I kind <laughs> of reasoned it into a better performance than maybe it was on the surface, but yeah, I still liked her in the movie. Yeah.
0: I, I would actually go so far as to say she's probably my MVP of the film, even though I think Ewan McGregor uh, does turn in strong work. It's not, um overly strong work, and that's very interesting to me considering that he is, uh, for many portions of this movie the focal point and really our um our our guide, if you will, into the story. And uh there were times where I was thinking to myself, oh, you McGregor's like delivering possibly one of his best performances here. Uh but as is like typical with him, I, I always find that he especially nowadays, I've never found that his later work has ever been as strong and as exciting as his uh, earlier work because uh, he just always remains consistently good and does his job, he does it well, and then he kind of, like, lets other people in the movie kind of steal it from him. And in many ways, I feel like Rebecca Ferguson did that. Um, I feel like uh, Kylie Curran, uh who I think does a really decent job here, uh, also outshines him, no pun intended. And uh, director Mike Flanagan, with uh, his style um, at times, I think also outshone uh, Ewan McGregor. That's not to say I think he's bad in the movie, but I was very surprised with how much focus that was placed on him and with such a meaty character dealing with so many psychological issues, that performance did not go to a level of, say, something like a... um, uh, like a Tony Collette in uh, *Hereditary* or sure. Lupita Nyong'o in *Us*, where I'm walking away from a horror film going, "That performance was incredible."
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, i I think it. I think he grounds it in a way that is good for the movie because he has the the thing about Hugh McGregor that I think makes him an engaging presence to watch is he does have that kind of like old Hollywood innate movie star charm where you just trust him and you want him to succeed, which is something you can't really pretend you have if you don't have it so th- i can see in that sense why he you know has had a decent career um i i also didn't find him for not, like specifically stellar in terms of performance but yeah he i i i was Watching his uh, torturous journey and especially in the first third was hard to watch because he's a he's a charming guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I definitely can understand that. And, you know, it's very interesting the way that they set up his character and such. But once again, there was a lot of jumping around between locations. Um, There was a lot of like mystery surrounding, like I said, the. Uh, intentions of the True Knot, what their powers exactly were, uh, what the hell is Steam all of a sudden, and then you find out later that Steam is The Shining, they're just calling it something different, and I, 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 like I said, there was a very, very long stretch where he was actually the one, like you said, grounding the movie for me, where the movie was threatening to lose me at every turn,
1: yeah, the thing, what you said about locations, that actually is probably my biggest criticism of the movie. Because it's adapted from, I assume, knowing Stephen King, it's a big book, probably. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of locations and a lot of traveling. And it kind of gave me, like, latter Game of Thrones vibes where I wasn't sure where we were or how far we were from the previous location and how much time had passed between locations. And it's not really super important. But there were one or two moments where I was like, wait, where are we? Wait, how were they able to get here? That's my biggest criticism, I'd say.
0: And then, like, you know, when you have a story that's this in- involving with so many um, unreal elements, uh, supernatural elements, if you will, one thing that constantly irks me um, in a lot of movies like this, and it, it happened recently in Terminator Dark Fate, um, and it happened here as well, um, I, I I get annoyed when characters just go along with the plot. It's like some guy just randomly shows up at your doorstep. Yeah, I've got these, like, insane powers and there's like no questions asked and all of a sudden now these two characters are (laughs) intertwined and they're going on this journey where they've put complete trust in each other's uh in, in each other for their lives and so on and so forth and i just like there were times where i felt like the uh development between certain characters relationships were just completely rushed um especially between abra and ewan mcgregor which the film does have scenes where they try to set up the link between the two of them but by the time we got to like the end of the film, I I, I I don't know, just for me, it wasn't as strong and as compelling of a connection that I was hoping for, I suppose.
1: I, I kind of, it worked for me, actually, I think because I kind of tied in the idea of characters who have something that makes them special, finally finding somebody else that is similar to them in mm-hmm. the same way that Halloran and Danny Bond in the first movie, sure. even though they are... 40 years apart in Asia and have just met but you know as this movie shows became in a way lifelong friends so I think it really kind of speaks to and it ties into the idea of when you are somebody with um, maybe a, a traumatic past or something it's easy to bond with people who have a similar traumatic past and if we use the shining as metaphor for any sort of not to keep using the word trauma, but trauma, then I think that really kind of uh, does the work for you in terms of making you believe that the characters would be friends pretty quickly. Also, I I think that's maybe, again, something where maybe in the novel, with the benefit of having more um, time and space to write, uh, you feel their connection more over time, whereas in this, it kind of relies on the audience to buy into it or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. One other element that I also really liked about the movie is I liked early on when he was working um, in in the hospice uh, with the uh, with the people that yeah. were knocking on Death's door. Um, with the cat with the cat, yeah, and you know it's like they worked the title of the movie in there, Doctor Sleep. You know, because we're all I, I i like many other people that maybe are not familiar with the book. We're wondering what the hell is Dr. Sleep like even like what does it mean <laughs> necessarily? I even heard one person recently be like, is this like a Dr. Strange sequel? And I was, I was like, stop it.
1: <laughs> I, I got to say, I did like that. They named it something completely different from The Shining. That's like kind of yeah. brave in a way. Movies don't really do that except for Marvel movies. And that has the benefit of being able to say Marvel. Could you
0: imagine if it was called The Sleeping?
1: Right. Or like <laughs> The Shining 2. Sleep time. I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but I, I did like the thematic uh, underlying of death in that section of the movie a lot. And I thought it tied in beautifully with the ending of the film as well. So I like all of that. I also, I mean, without getting into like too heavy spoilers here, I adore the third act.
1: Me too. I mean, how could you not? I was... I was truly on the edge of my seat and i'm not i'm not exaggerating i was every turn of the camera every sound effect i was just really really engrossed in it and i mean that's the benefit of having a strong third act is that you leave the movie thinking maybe it's better than it was but i don't care it worked on me the
0: production design set recreation oh my god the lookalike actors uh the, the music. The music. Shot for shot recreation of certain scenes mm-hmm. from the 1980 film. That literally for a brief second I thought was the old footage. Yep. Yep. My friends were
1: similarly uh tricked.
0: <laughs> it, it was pretty astounding. And I thought done very tastefully well, respectful. It worked its way into the story in such a way that um, I never felt like it was pandering or uh, winking its eye at fans. Yeah, it, it all just it seemed wasn't to make fan sense service
1: at all. Yeah, no, especially because they withheld that for so long in the movie. They know they could have just easily been throwing references and moments at us from the very beginning if they were looking to kind of just scratch that itch of fans, but they didn't. So I give that. I, it, gives, it makes me have more respect for the moments.
0: Yeah, the only thing I think I was underwhelmed by a little bit uh, was and it's interesting, maybe not underwhelmed, uh, mixed, I'm um, um, mixed, is, is just the the idea of this final showdown between Rose, Danny, and uh, Abra at the end, um, and there is a very, very clever uh, point in the movie that uh, recreates the staircase moment from The Shining that I really liked a lot, but I don't know. There was something about, once again, you know, you're dealing with supernatural beings. I don't know how strong they are. I don't know what the limits of their powers are. I don't know what they can and can't do necessarily. And it just seemed like such a grandiose, like epic final showdown that they were setting up
1: that just kind of like seemed very, I don't know, meh to me. (laughs) It does kind of just happen. And I also was similarly surprised that Oh, this is how we're doing it. But in a way, the thing that we're kind of talking around—that's not what the story's about—is right. about Danny and about the, you know, literally facing the demons of his past and knowing when to keep them contained and when you have to occasionally peek in and you know reckon with those moments from your past. I I think that's what Mike Flanagan, especially, I'm sure, is way more interested in exploring based on his previous filmography. So it makes sense that that's kind of where the emphasis of the finale was agreed
0: and I thought that the way that it all wrapped up at the end uh was clever once again I thought it was tasteful I didn't think it was bad I didn't think it was bad I think that like I said going back to my original thoughts for a movie like the 1980 original that um has had such an uh, enduring legacy because of how open-ended it is um because of how mysterious it is and because of how when you watch it every time there's like a potential chance to get something new out of it I don't feel that Dr. Sleep warrants the same repeat viewings that The Shining does.
1: It is definitely more linear, but I will say something that makes me appreciate it as a sequel to something as uh, oblique as The Shining is there's moments in this movie that kind of flesh out things in the original in a way that doesn't necessarily say, this is what that actually meant, that abstract moment that you weren't sure but it still gives it a little bit more um, g- narrative groundedness in a way. Yeah. and you can you know take that into your future shining viewings if you want. You can leave it behind. But it really, again, is kind of a miracle of like threading the needle of being a sequel to two different things and still giving us things to reflect upon from the original. And that's I can't imagine how hard that must have been to appease everybody involved from the studio who you know has interest in making this a sequel to their The Shining movie from the 80s and then Stephen King who has his own thing. So that was really kind of miraculous to me.
0: It, yeah, I, I do agree because I do think that he does pull it off um, as an adaptation of this book. While also course correcting, if you will, things that Stephen King might have thought that Stanley Kubrick exactly. um, yeah, didn't get right necessarily. But also, like I said, the shot recreation, the production design, and like just borrowing certain elements that make that original film so iconic in a cinematic way and uh, reintroducing them here. I mean, there's that scene with uh, Henry Thomas uh, that is just... Oh my
1: God, I had full body chills the entire time. I I, I, I
0: legitimately <laughs> thought I was going to get pulled out of the movie while watching it um because clearly it's not jack but i was awestruck by how flanagan framed that scene shot for shot exactly the same as kubrick did and there were just so many instances of that that i was just like you know what at the end of the day i it's not fully working for me as a whole but there are so many elements of this that i i, I just ad- I admire Mike Flanagan's passion. I really do
1: that moment especially is I was amazed because it's a character literally facing his past and his demons, yeah, so even if it wasn't the narrative climax in a way in a in a way it was the thematic climax, yeah, and that's i I really loved it,
0: yeah, no, absolutely uh so we're we're kind of at a point, I think uh like I said, without getting into like really crazy spoiler territory uh where I uh, want to know like you know what whatever thoughts do you have about the film, anything that we didn't talk about uh, that you want to
1: mention I will say, even though I didn't find it pretty explicitly scary in a typical horror movie way, there are some moments, especially in the hospice scenes that you mentioned, that reckon with mortality and death in a way that really chilled me as a human being (laughs) (laughs) um I mean it really made you just go oh yeah death I guess it's scary and you know the moment when we all have to face that moment is going to be something we're just not prepared for so that isn't typical horror movie you know fun scare but it is its own kind of uh it's, it's it's its own way of being scary by making you kind of reckon with your mortality so I guess slight warning because that (laughs) it could definitely be upsetting to some people, but also it's, you know, really beautiful filmmaking in a way.
0: Yeah. I, I really, really loved all of those sequences. I thought that was really, really well done. And like you said, really helped to hammer home the themes of the, of the movie. Um, I, I will admit the more I'm kind of like talking through it and like I said before, in regards to like Rebecca Ferguson's performance, for example, it's a movie that while I was watching it, I, I may not have enjoyed the experience as much as I would have hoped to have, but ever since uh, it's been over, it it has lingered in my mind, but not in a way that something like The Shining does where I'm like trying to piece it together and I'm obsessing sure. over it necessarily. but. I can't deny that the themes that the movie does touch on are emotionally resonant and powerful.
1: They're also more... They're they're in the text of the movie as opposed to something like The Shining where you have to bring your own thing to it or you could just watch it as the story of a man losing his mind and attacking his family. This does not have the kind of ambiguousness of that movie and it kind of, in fact, seems to, like I said want to not course correct but clarify some things from the original movie so they're completely different in that way so i think that's again why i thought it would definitely be a mixed reception because it's a sequel to the shining definitely in terms of story but absolutely not in terms of any sort of aesthetic or thematic or directorial style
0: yeah yeah uh shout out to um cliff curtis in this movie um as uh danny's friend uh billy um, I, I that was a relationship that I actually was invested in, and I really enjoyed actually. Um, and I wish there was more of it because I also really liked what Cliff Curtis was doing, as evidenced by uh, his final moment in the movie. I was like, oh, I wish, oh, I wish we got more.
1: Yeah, and it and it, it their relationship ties uh, together the idea of people bonding over. Um, the bad things in life because they both have a history of alcoholism. So that really just kind of solidifies those themes even further. I agree.
0: And once again, like, you know, that was very, very strong, uh, so much so. I I didn't really feel it. It was like a subtle thing, obviously. But obviously, when, you know, you get to that moment, collective gasp from everyone in the audience, um, myself included. And I remember, like, thinking to myself, oh, you know, I didn't really feel much of that connection, um, I guess, in a – uh outward sort of a way, but internally I, I definitely felt it because that moment hit me pretty hard when it happened. So
1: respect to the filmmakers for, like you said, casting other actors to play characters we've already seen. Um like recasting the roles from The Shining, rather than doing the the in vogue CGI de aging thing that we, which had at Disney first at. I
0: thought was the route that we were heading in, and then, mm-hmm. um, especially like when you see, uh, uh, oh God, I can't remember the actress's name, but the one who plays, uh, Shelley Duvall, uh, in this one, I can't remember the actress's name. Phenomenal, spot on, yeah, unbelievably it spot on. Captures
1: the vocal performance really well. It, it's the essence of the character, and yes, you do take a moment to go. Wait, that's not Shelley Duvall. Her face is a little different. But in the same way that you would, if you're watching a CGI de-aging, you would take the time to go, oh, wow, that looks like Samuel L. Jackson. That's amazing. That's his eyebrows from the 90s. You know, it's the same kind of taking you out of it that you would have seeing either way. So I I kind of appreciate this kind of old school movie magic way of doing it, though. You know,
0: like how in Scream, they're making the stab movies. And they have like actors playing like everyone else and things like that. It almost seemed like if you were going to recreate uh, like shot for shot uh, the movie The Shining, like it would almost look something like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're just a little off, but it still has the essence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really liked
0: it. Very well done, uh, I have to say. Oh man, Cody, I th- I I think that you're I think you're raising my grade. I- maybe maybe. Um, I'm gonna stew on it just for a couple more seconds here. Uh, any other final thoughts from you or?
1: um nothing specific again just to if you're going into this movie hoping for a mike flanagan exploration of childhood trauma and your uh rough past uh you're gonna get it and he's really good at exploring those themes and uh crafting a movie around it especially a horror-based movie so yeah highly recommended
0: all right uh yeah i i think that i think that expectation definitely will play a huge role with this one um I think I was expecting something along the lines of The Shining. Instead, it is its own beast entirely. And once again, Flanagan was in a very, very tough situation, uh, having to appease both fans of The Shining and also Stephen King. And even with the moments that he does incorporate from The Shining into the movie, I I, I can't see how Stephen King would disapprove of this movie in any way, shape or form. And clearly he hasn't. So
1: I think he's a executive producer too so right i I think it's all i think it's all done
0: just very very tastefully um and respectfully uh to its source material both on the page and on the screen and i really really admire that a lot i am going to settle on a six out of ten I was contemplating a seven, um, but I will just say that it's a strong six for me, Um, mostly because, like I said, and, and, you know, I think it is subjective um, from my point of view here, Um, maybe because of expectation. Like I was saying before, maybe if I went into this one, uh, never having even seen The Shining. Uh, you know, it's very possible I could have even felt very differently about this. I'm not exactly hundred percent sure, but there were just a couple of things in it that I found to be like a little too kooky. Um, like I said, mostly pertaining to the true, not uh, cult group. And I don't really know why this movie needed to be over two and a half hours long. I'm still like, you know, in terms of the plot and how much plot there is, I, I don't know if it warranted that runtime.
1: Uh, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying before about how I enjoyed the runtime, because I think you need to soak in the characters and their abilities longer, but clearly didn't work for everybody. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I
0: think that's like I said, because in the beginning of the film, you know, in terms of what's the true knots purpose, what are they doing? Like, why do they have these canisters like so many questions? And I didn't feel like I was getting answers for so, so long. Um, it also didn't help too, that I wasn't, like I said, um, scared necessarily while watching this, but I was appreciating the craft that was on display, at least from Flanagan. So, you know, a bit of a mixed bag for me, but leaning more positive uh, than negative, I'll say. And I
1: myself am at a nine out of ten. Whoa, pretty, whoa, pretty fairly high. I know. I knew you were gonna have that reaction. Whoa! <laughs> but it, it engrossed me fully the entire time, and then that third act was everything I wanted to see, and I liked being it having it be withheld from me because it made me appreciate it even more. And that last third act bumped it up almost an entire two stars. I loved it that much. Wow. Yep. Oh my. Which is the same rating I have for the Shining. Uh, I'm so. just
0: curious uh, where where does this rank for you uh, in terms of like end of year
1: uh it's in my top 10 so far i think it's number seven or eight i gotta say i'm i don't know if it's me or the film year but i'm being much more generous with my high ratings this year than i have been before i don't know if i'm just (laughs) more excited about movies right now for some reason or if movies are actually better but like this time last year i did not have i think any nine or tens out of tens now my entire top 10 is all that so Good job, 2019. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, and in terms of its Oscar potential, I mean, do you foresee any nominations for this anywhere? Yeah, no way. If, if the original had gotten in, like it should have for production design or maybe even sound mix, which both of them it should, have, should have won those categories in a walk. I would say maybe because they might be excited to revisit that and like look at the comparison. But I don't, I don't think so.
0: I do think the production design in this movie is really good, though.
1: Yeah. And not just the Shining Recreation no. stuff. I mean, there's like a bunch of varied locations. It's, it's good.
0: Yeah. I particularly like uh, Danny's apartment. Uh, that, yeah. What is it? How much money a month? I can't remember. But the, Oh, my God. It made me laugh. Yeah. That <laughs> was, was that like... was a good moment. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that. It was like that. $80 or something. Yeah. No noise. No parties. No pets. I'm like, so what? He's supposed to be a mouse up there? Like, what? Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. But, you know, yeah. All around. Uh, good stuff. Not an Oscar movie by any means. Uh, but a solid one I would say Um, I didn't hate it I don't want people to think that I hated this movie I definitely didn't I just was a tad bit underwhelmed is all
1: yeah It it was very much my kind of movie where it's you know strong themes played out in a psychological horror way sure
0: absolutely Okay, Cody, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast review. Tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet.
1: Yeah, I'm all over the internet, Instagram, Twitter, Letterboxd, at CodyMonster91. And if you liked this review or especially this movie, give a listen to my horror movie podcast. We're Halloweeners. You can find us everywhere at Halloweeners Pod. And you can
0: find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Dr. Sleep here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us, including our full review of the 1980 film The Shining.